Hey, Kathy, do you know what time of year it is? I do. It's the holiday season. Right. And this year, I'm planning ahead and stocking up on a gift that will cover all the readers and want-to-be readers in my life. Well, give us this great gift idea. Okay. It's our new Read Happy, the ultimate reading journal. And we designed it with our friends in mind, so it's perfect. Plus, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookshop.org. And there are links on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com and journalhappy.com. Happy holidays. And happy reading. Welcome to GOB with Christy and Kathy, where we talk about writing, reading, and life in between. I'm Christy in South Florida. And I'm Kathy in South Dakota. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and crime fiction. We have interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors on our Corks and Conversation episodes. And don't forget our Words and Progress episodes where we have fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us for today's episode. Welcome to Corks and Conversation 2 with Lisa Unger. Yes, Kathy, I am so excited to be speaking with Lisa again. Um, We talked to her in season two, and so much has happened since then. I know. (laughs) And during that, I mean, way back then, when we were little baby um, uh, podcasters, and we were recording over the phone, so we didn't get to see each other. I know, I know. You know, I love Zoom. (laughs) Have I told you lately how much I love Zoom? (laughs) Anyway, um, let's get into it with Lisa. Let's remind everyone about Lisa and what a great um, woman and author she is. She is the New York Times and international best-selling author of 20 novels now. 20! Um, She was on our podcast in season two, as you said, and then we were discussing her 17th book, Confessions on the 745, that's now in development at Netflix. Um, Looks like it's going to star Jessica Alba, you know. Not, not bad, I'm just saying. Um, not bad. <laughs> she has books published in 32 languages, millions of copies sold worldwide. She is regarded as a master of suspense with very good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, her current book we're talking about today, which is Secluded Cabin Sleeps Six, is featured on all the best book lists for this fall. She has also been uh, nominated and won numerous awards leading up to this. In 2019, this is my favorite, she received two Edgar Award nominations, an honor held by only a few authors, including someone you may have heard of named Agatha Christie. Good company. She also writes short fiction (laughs) that has been anthologized all over the place, Best American Mystery and Suspense included, and she writes nonfiction that's been um, in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, NPR, Travel Leisure. Should I? Okay, well, let's get to it. <laughs> Lisa, one of my favorite things she does, in addition to her writing, is she's the current co-president of the International Thriller Writers Organization, which Christy and I are both members, and we have attended Thriller Fest uh, many times over. It's such a fantastic organization. Lisa lives on the west coast of Florida with her family, and um, this novel we're going to talk about today, again, Secluded Cabin Sleeps Six is getting rave reviews. Like I said, it's on all the best-selling uh, book lists for the fall. My favorite, though, review is from Ruth Ware, one of our favorite authors. Love her. And she said this, a, it's a deliciously tense ride that takes a deep dive into the meaning of family and the price we'll pay for those we love. Oh. Lisa, welcome. 
Thanks for having me, you guys. <laughs> yay, yay, so cheers. <laughs> I know. Let's do cheers oh, to book number 20. Cheers, yay. Book 20. That, it's so appropriate because, Lisa, you picked mm. um, the cupcake um, Prosecco. So we're having a little yeah. bubbly to to we celebrate are. this milestone. You guys all have a sip. I'm gonna have another one. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I one. know. This is it's refreshing white peach, honeydew, and grapefruit that lead to a toasted brioche finish. I don't understand that, but yeah, hey. I mean, yeah. I think it's just a fun. I think it's just a fun beverage. You know, it's like mm -hmm. you know, I don't always love champagne. You know, but I love Prosecco. I think it's just like, just a, such. I know. I don't know what's the difference, except they come from Italy or whatever, but it yeah. tastes better to me. Basically, it's sparkling wine. Like it can only be champagne if it comes, you know, as you know, from that region. From Champagne yeah. region. Exactly. So everything else is sparkling wine. And then there's, you know, there's a couple of other different kinds, like a, I think it's Moscato or something like that, but it's like very yeah. sweet. So this is kind of like super the one sweet, in yeah. the Spain is Cava. And oh, in right, Italy, right, it's right. Prosecco. <laughs> but I like Prosecco, really. I do. It's fun. It's a fun drink. Yeah. Well, this yes, is perfect yes. for this celebration today. Yes, it is. Have yeah, fun. that's what my wine glass says. Celebrate. Wine or my champagne. Cheers. Thank you, guys. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Oh. Yum. It's nice. a beautiful afternoon here in South Florida. I Probably there in Tampa as well. It so. is. It is gorgeous. Yes, beautiful day. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So before we get started, I'm going to give everybody a little bit of a synopsis of Secluded Cabin Sleep Six. Basically, we've got Hannah, her brother, her best friend, their significant others. All six of them are going to go to this wonderful, beautiful weekend getaway in the mountains or in the woods, I guess. Um, they, you know, hot tub, um, personal chef. I mean, they're going all out. It's great, great, wonderful R&R, that type of thing. It's supposed to be perfect, but this is a Lisa Unger book. <laughs> so the night, dreamy weekend is going to turn into a nightmare. And um, <laughs> there's a, there's a deadly storm brewing. Um, the rental host is a little creepy. The chef tells them like this creepy story about the history of the place and then weird things start happening dangerous things start happening nobody knows who to trust there's all kinds of secrets going on plus whatever and I stayed up most of the night reading it and then <laughs> I had to finish it the next day and it was it, it's a page turner great story you know, you got to read to the end. We're not going to give it away. But last time we talked, you did say that um, you usually start out with like a germ or, or some kind of idea that you do you do research and info, get info on. So I'm wondering, what was that for this, your 20th book? What was your, your initial germ? Yeah, you know, and it was actually kind of two things. So I have for a, a more than, you know, for a couple of years, for a while, I've been very, very fascinated by the idea of the DNA testing. So I've been doing a lot of uh, research uh, short of taking my own DNA test, which <laughs> you haven't done that? Not, not, no, I, I'm, I have not. And I will, and I probably won't unless I have to, um, <laughs> 
for some reason, you know, who knows why, uh, unless I'm legally compelled to take <laughs> which hopefully, which hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's hope not. And uh, so there is that kind of ongoing obsession in the research that I've been doing into, you know, the, not just the technology, like, you know, we've talked about Confessions on the 745 and like Last Girl Ghosted, like they, you know, both of those books have like a technology component to them. It's not really the, the technology that I'm interested in when I kind of do a deep dive into these things. It's more like how the technology is rewriting how we relate to each other. Yeah. That's what really mm-hmm. fascinates me. So that was something that, so that's the piece that's been really fascinating to me. And there were a couple of news stories that I read over the last couple of years that really got me to thinking about, you know, this idea of, you know, what, what makes us who we are, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of genetic. That was like, that's sort of my ongoing obsession. And then, you know, during the pandemic, my husband and daughter and I wanted, you know, renting these really beautiful cabins in, you know, in a couple of different areas in the Asheville area um, and also in the Blue Ridge area. And we, you know, really, really enjoyed our time there because it was a way to be socially distanced, but um, also we could hike and all that. And, you know, it was just kind of a getaway when in a year, in, mm-hmm. in a year that traveling at all. But, you know, I cannot, I'm really just not a good vacationer. And so, you know, my brain was like just constantly going from the minute we arrived there. It was everything like from the door codes, like, is it, you know, does everybody get the same code, you know? or does... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. Can the last people come back and just the come last in? people come back and just yeah. come in? And there was like all kinds of weird things like, you know, we turn on the TV to like, you know, turn on Netflix or whatever. And like somebody's account would be on there. Yeah, that's creepy. Like it's a little creepy. And this just happened to us um, on my husband's birthday. We went for a quick overnight getaway. Yeah. And sure enough, the last person that was at this place, their account was there. And we were like, yeah, I know it's weird. And then we at one of them forgot to log out. And then when we got back on our 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 thing at home, like people have been like watching on our account. Like so there were shows and movies on there that Mm -hmm. we watch and I was like huh that's weird (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's a book in itself oh geez there's like all these things and like you know sitting out enjoying the outdoor fireplace and this guy comes driving up in his gator and he's like you know this older man with like this long hair and a baseball cap and he's like I look in on the I look in on the property for the owners from time to time I was like oh sure you did Wow. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. How are we supposed to check that? Like, how do we know? (laughs) Right. And this has been like kind of the whole, I mean, this is like, you know, I mean, it's not a new thing, but I think it's definitely something that people are doing now more than ever is like just this kind of, you know, Airbnb rental. This, in this case, it wasn't Airbnb. It was another, it was a, like a, 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 just a rental company in the area that we like to visit really beautiful places, all the, all the amenities really, really nice. Um, but yeah, it just led in one of the, one of the trips was with my family, my extended family. It was like, you know, during COVID. So of course it was like full drama on all, on all fronts. Oh yeah, and, you know, for sure. <laughs> You're gonna like travel with your extended family like that can be really inspirational. <laughs> so, time to kill someone. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, 
So yeah, so that's kind of how, that's kind of how like all those things kind of just, you know, they kind of intermingled. And the next thing you know, I was hearing Hannah's voice, which is kind of how it works for me. And, you know, Henry was a really major voice for me moving through the story, even though he doesn't really figure into any of the, you know, the promotional materials and the, you know, yeah. the, the jacket copy mm -hmm. and all of that, but he was, you know, obviously a huge feature of the story for me, his voice and his journey. Yeah, I liked Henry too. Yeah. So yeah. you mentioned the pandemic. It, it, the pandemic happened since the last time we talked to you. You know, it's just like a t totally different world. Obviously, we're on Zoom now. Um, what What's like the major, can you think of like a major thing that changed in your writing world as far as like how you used to do things and now how you do things or... Yeah, you know, I mean, for me, I writing has always been an escape hatch for me. It's the place I go, you know, to metabolize darkness. Like that's my my space, you know. And so mm -hmm. during the pandemic, I wrote more than ever. You know, I know that, you know, a lot of people had a hard time writing during that time and I can understand why. Uh -huh. Also, I had the, you know, I didn't have little kids running around my, you know, like sort of a teenager or, you know, just a teenager at that time. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so things were a little bit different for us. And I think it would have been if, you know, she'd been small. Um, but, you know, I just wrote more than ever. And it really solidified for me that early morning time, which is such an important time for me creatively to just always be there during that time, especially during the pandemic because once the day started and like the just this just the toxic sludge of like the news and all the negativity and how all of a sudden you were expected to be online all the time on zoom on social media all the time like it really forced me to solidify that that creative space is only for that the rest of it has to wait until the creative work is done. And it was true during that time, especially because things were so difficult and so dark and so frightening. You just didn't know day to day what was going to happen or all of that. Mm -hmm. But like, I just felt like if I don't take this time every day, you're just going to wind up staring at your computer. Right. Which is what I did. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, like horrible. it's hard not to, it's like a train wreck. I mean, you can't turn away from it. So I just felt like I had to get things done as early as possible before the day started. And so that really is your is your daughter a night owl? Because my I, my daughter ended up back here during the pandemic and she would sleep half the day. So I probably shouldn't have had any excuse for not writing. <laughs> she's a she's an early bird, too. You know, like she's when she was really little, she was like a super crazy early bird. Like she was like as, as early as I am. And so I was getting up even earlier, like to beat her to the punch. So I'd be getting up at like three so that I'd get like at least two solid hours before she decided she was going to get up. And then as she grew up, I just kind of taught her like that this is the space for being creative, right? So if you're up, that's cool. But you know, I'm I I have work to do. This is what I do. If you want to be with me in the room, then you have to do your creative work too. Whether that's you're drawing pictures or you're playing with your toys or whatever it is. And so now, you know, she she is an artist. She's a visual artist. Um, she animates and um, you know she's also uh, draws and paints and all that as well. But now for her too, those morning hours are really critical. Like she will oh. 
go to bed. If she's got a ton of homework and it's getting too late, she'll go to bed and set her alarm for the morning and get up and finish her homework rather than stay up late and do it like a lot of kids do. So she's also like kind of got that, you know, she knows that she's stronger in the morning than she is at 10 o'clock at night. Like by 10 o'clock at night, I am a, I'm a wreck. Like I can barely <laughs> I see straight. So like, He's kind I, of no. <laughs> yeah. After eight, I'm an early morning person too. Yeah. And I love that golden hour of the morning where it's just yeah. fresh and yeah. um, just magical, I think yeah. more than um, the rest of the day. But by eight o'clock at night, don't even ask me a question. Like right. it's just embarrassing. There's nothing there. You're, <laughs> no, you're I got nothing. The next day. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and sometimes I even feel like it when it, when the clock, turns 10 like in the morning I'm always a little bit like oh yeah you know like yeah. the best the part of the day is over <laughs> so but I do think we all are hardwired with that internal clock oh, and you sure. know I some people have that night nighttime magic and I just can't even imagine it but mm-hmm. also are we are hardwired I think is to be either pantsers or plotters mm-hmm. and you are a magical pantser in my mind. You're like a unicorn to me because <laughs> I like Excel spreadsheets and color-coded sticky notes. Oh. And um, we are uh, we are interviewing um, another great uh, friend of young writers, Jeffrey Deaver, in a few weeks. And you two must be the most polar opposites. We are. We are. Right? We've talked together before. Have you really? <laughs> yeah. We're polar Did you opposite. fight? <laughs> no, no, <But> it's, <laughs> no, I have great respect. And I do think you're right. Like, I do think you're hardwired to be an early bird or night owl. Like, I don't think you can change it. Like, I think a lot of people have to change it for yeah. And I think they always struggle. Uh-huh. And then mm-hmm. when they can go to that, to that space of, you know, being able to honor their clock, they're like different people, right? Mm-hmm. Same with introvert, mm-hmm. extra. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, I think that a lot of introverts are forced to live like extroverts. And like the pandemic was like a joyful time for them because they could finally connect with their inner um, introvert. But same true for Potter versus Panzer. I don't and I don't like that word. I don't either. I don't, I don't like, like the dichotomy for gardener. Yeah, I love that. Right. And then I can't take credit for it. That came from George R. R. Martin. But I I like that idea because like you plant a seed and it grows. Mm-hmm. And you might have to prune it. You might have to, you know, give it a little time and space to find its way through the soil, water, light, air, you know, time, all those things. And then um, the story evolves in that way. And that's how I experience it. If I were to outline or do the thing where there's like character sketches, or if I knew how my book was going to end, I just would not, I would not be able to write it. I love the gardener. Yeah. I wish people would use that word instead of pantser because pantser seems haphazard or gardener hazard yeah like, gardening seems you accidentally wrote a book right and <laughs> it was lo- just as a current so i just did this thing but gardening is such an organic experience and yeah. you know it is yeah. going to grow up in some way but you can never predict i love that it's such a great better much better analogy world writing world listen yes yes i think it is once i get published since i'm a pantser i can finally say that i don't have 
a brown thumb because I do and as far as gardening is concerned. You do. You're not it's not good. Lisa, but I can be a gardener in horrible. the metaphoric sense. <laughs> I, I, exactly. Yes, I, I that's good. Yeah, I feel like it's important distinction because I also feel like and this is funny and not not Jeff Deaver, but like some people, people who are gardeners are very in you know very respectful of people who outline like i always am very quick to say well you don't choose it and i know people who do both ways and there's no choosing it and plenty of people are very successful with both ways of writing but like mm -hmm. you know plotters are not as nice to to gardener I think so too. I think there's some judgment there sometimes. Yeah, because I was gonna say yeah. Jeffrey Deaver was with on what was that at Sleuth Fest, Kathy, where he was up there yeah. with another, yeah. and they were and he was they they were playfully going back and forth, but he was yeah. like, you you've got it wrong, basically. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's kind of I think it's kind of weird because like, and but I also think that you know they don't understand it. I and I know that I'm sure five examples will come up of why the, of how this is not true. But my theory <laughs> is that people who write the way I write have been writing since they were kids. Yeah, been writing since I was a kid, and it's almost like there nobody ever. There's a part of your brain that never grew up. Like nobody ever told you that you had to stop writing stories. Although my dad did try to tell me to stop it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast, right? That's, that's, that's a whole thing. It's a different podcast. Though. Yeah. I was talking to um, uh, Lisa Cron, who's a writer about writing, right? She's a wonderful writing teacher. And she said that there are people who just intrinsically are intrinsic storytellers. Like you can learn to tell a story, but there yeah. are those who are just intrinsic storytellers. And I think those are the gardeners. Yes. Or yeah. just is who you are. Yes. In 100%. your brain. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I've been, you know, obviously a, a writer since I was a kid. I've been a reader since I was a kid. All my education has been focused on writing everything from poetry to journalism to, to screenwriting. I am a avid reader. I have been since I was a kid. I read wildly across genre. I don't discriminate from literary to anything that is a great story. Uh -huh. And I've always read like that. I've always read just in, w wildly across genre, like just a literary omnivore. And I think that in a lot of ways, I've just internalized the form of the novel. Like, uh -huh. yes, uh -huh. the way I experience the world, like I'm a natural narrator of of my existence and of you know the stories and lives of the people that live in my head and i just don't mm -hmm. remember ever being away well we're happy for it <laughs> yes we are okay so let's take a little sip and lisa we're midway so this is when we i don't know if you recall but we do the question in the bottle okay let's do it christy what's your favorite season and why my favorite season um autumn um and you know because it's a time of death no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is, is exactly what you're supposed to say, Lisa. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is, but like, it's a, you know, I'm always fascinated. I'm more fascinated by autumn than I am by winter, more fascinated by spring than I am by summer, because I, I think of them as kind of like liminal states. You know, they're like the spaces between, between things, between the really like, you know, the full richness of summer and then like the desolation of winter. So, you know, I love that. I 
fall to me feels like an, a new beginning, I guess, because it's like the time when you would go back to school. Oh, yeah. you know, and pencils like, and yeah, paper. The pencils and paper, exactly, and books. <laughs> like nerding out on the new school supplies. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Yes, exactly right. So all of these things are why fall. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do. Those are good reasons. Favorite yeah. yeah. So I, so I, you guys, you're both in Florida. I'm in South Dakota, and I we really experience the four seasons like dramatically. So what is it like in Florida? Like, do you, is it just a little bit cooler? Well, I was going to say there's like two seasons here. There's the wet season and the dry season. And, and the dry season is starting now. So the weather's beautiful and it's fall. So yeah, it's kind of like a good time of the year. I was also going to say that I kind of like season five the best. Season four was good. (laughs) Season six. Because we're just in season five now. Oh, God. <laughs> but like, no. What? I know. I know that you could go all over the place with oh. the seasons. Yeah. That's hilarious. Sure. So. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. And Florida, I think, has, I have a, a really good friend that writes about Florida. His name is Jeff Klinkenberg. Um, and he says that, you know, there are seasons, you know, there's all, there's all kinds of, you know, it's there, there is this subtle change. There is a fall when the, when, when that sort of blanket of humidity just kind of goes away and all of a sudden in the morning, you can breathe again in the morning. (laughs) That's really nice. Yeah. We're entering into that perfect time. Mm. You know, the reason why everybody lives in Florida, we're entering into that, to that space, but there's stone crab season. you know there's like all these (laughs) there's all these different seasons but they're just not the same as like traditional four seasons that we all yeah Yeah, we just have way too many seasons down here (laughs) that's really funny okay so i could talk about seasons with you all day but what i really want to talk about is i read this great interview you did in crime reads this summer maybe Mm. and you talked about the need for batching time oh, yeah. and also creative cycles. And I, I absolutely loved that conversation. I was wondering if you could share more about that with us. Yeah, that was a, um, that was a conversation that I had with Eli Craner. He's yes. a really excellent young novelist. In fact, I actually have his new book right here, which I just read. Oh, wow. uh, it was hey, our- Eli, shout out Eli. Yeah. Shout out to <laughs> Eli. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Excellent book um, coming out next year. And um, we talked about, so there was a time in my creative life, it was about about six or seven years ago now, probably, where I just felt extremely burnt out, not on the creative, you know, never, you know, that's always a, a, a like sort of a, a nourishing place for me, but I just felt very burnt out, like just on a mental energy level. And I had to like, kind of look at what was wrong, like, what is the problem? And I realized that my slowly because authors are asked to perform in social media in a way that they never were before, that that was taking up a lot, a lot of bandwidth for me, right? Like just Mm -hmm. the responsibility that I felt to be present in social media for my readers, for booksellers, librarians, for the books, you know, for my publisher, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's changed the way writers have to work. And if you're not careful, then you're going to be wasting your creative energy on something that it that drains rather than than nourishes. Mm-hmm. So I 
I read this book called uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport. And there's a, there's a lot of wisdom in that book. I suggest it for any writer or any creative because there's a lot of just really powerful information there. But my big takeaway was that as a creative, you cannot toggle between the deep work of creativity and the shallow work of marketing and promotion. So you can't be working on your novel, click, 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 get distracted. Oh, email. Oh, some notification, whatever. Go do that thing. You could do that, but you're, you're not going to go back. And if you do go back, it's going to take you a while. And there's going to be a kind of a drag back to the creative. Mm-hmm. He suggests that authors should not be on social media. He suggests that if you must be on social media, then you should batch that time. Uh-huh. So I started, we talked in the beginning of this about, you know, those, those hours in the morning, those golden hours. So that to batch that time, to make sure there's a two hour or a three hour block where I'm just being creative. And it's like, if you run into the wall, you know, when you're trying to write, which you do when you write the way I write, when you write like a gardener, <laughs> then you can do stuff. You don't have to chain to your desk. Yeah. Go for a walk. You can bake a cake. You can go to the gym. You can do the laundry. You can do stuff like that, but you can't toggle out to the shallow work of answering your email or doing whatever it is you, you think you need to do on social media because then you don't, you don't go back. Like it's very easy to switch out of the creative, but it's not easy to go back to it. Mm -hmm. I I had read similarly that you need to focus on creating your own work before you consume anybody else's hundred percent creative work, whether that be whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. And that's a rule that has, it tickles me sometimes when I'm, when I get tempted to go toggle to the wrong area. Right. <laughs> because when it's hard, that all those email and all, it's hard. Like it's so tempting. It's like, it's like a drug yeah. almost. That's well, no, there, it, like... it, it literally is. It's a dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. your brain, you know, you be in, be in your creative zone. I'm a professional creative, full-time professional creative. So I can log three to four hours of creative work, right? Which is not normal. Usually it's like yeah. nine, you know, 90 minutes. That's like a yeah. cycle. Um, and you, you owe it to yourself as a writer to stay in that, in that zone for as long as you can. When you, when you start to drift off, when your focus starts to drift, then, I mean, your, your brain gets tired. I mean, it's literally brain energy, right? So right. your brain starts to get tired. And then it's like, oh, I need a snack or <laughs> I, need, I, need a little, I just need a little dopamine hit. I just need yeah. one more hit. Just let's just check the email, you know, and then as soon as you've done that, you're down the rabbit hole. And then you lie and you lie yeah. to yourself and you think just for a minute, it will help me refresh. And it's right. such a lie. It's a lie. It do you never- have a list that you just say, okay, it's, I, it's time for my little dopamine hit. Um, let's see, I'm going to go fold the clothes or I'm going to go <laughs> eat something yeah, I mean, or I feel like you can't, I mean, you have to do, it's okay to do those things. It's okay. It's good even to do those things. Like if you're in a narrative, if you're in a narrative, block, like those are refreshing, you yes. know, where, cause it's like, you just shut off your mind 
for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you go for a walk and you leave your phone or you listen to music on your phone or whatever it is that, that you do. Music is great. I mean, for me, that's a, that's a big part of my process. Like just to get on the treadmill and turn on the music and just go blank. For me, that's a huge part of how I work walking outside with the dog or anything that's just not and don't listen to podcasts while you're doing it i mean if i'm working out sometimes i do listen to podcasts but i don't listen to podcasts if i'm doing it to jog loose a narrative problem right. Right. i do i love the concept of i think movement yes is so helpful if you're it is trying to work something out yeah anything Okay. I get more writing done during yoga. Than I think I do. Yeah. Sleep on desk. <laughs> a, lot, a lot, a lot of stuff like that is very, you know, it's very nourishing, you know, uh-huh. so anything like that is good. But, you know, we all know that, you know, social media is not nourishing. You know, you may right. feel like you do it. And maybe, oh my gosh, it's such a time suck. Oh my gosh. But it's not even just that it's a time suck. There's just something about it that's uniquely draining. I find I think so too. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, there's that, like you say, that hit that you get, that dopamine hit. That's so not- even if you're on something positive, right. then you'll get to the negative stuff really fast, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, it's just in there. So, yeah. no. Yeah. And that's something that like, pandemic really too. like, because even the news is like that, you know, you get oh. and you're like, oh God, I know. And it happened to us. You know, no, no I want to yeah, go live on an island somewhere. That's what I want to do. <laughs> oh, so speaking of which, one of my favorite things to do is kayaking. And you've said that writing is analogous to kayaking. So I'm very intrigued by that. Can you explain to our listeners? Yeah, you know, because the writing life is hard. It can be, uh, there are a lot of challenges. There can be big water. But the, the thing about kayaking, right, is like you just keep your center and you keep your core tight and you just keep paddling, right? Like that's it. Mm-hmm. You can't stop in the middle, right? <laughs> you can't stop. If you stop, the, you know, the current can take you backwards. You just keep going. And I find that that is an apt analogy for pretty much pretty much everything. It's like it doesn't matter <laughs> what comes. You have to just keep paddling. I mean, what's the alternative that you stop paddling? Right. When things get hard, do you stop do you stop writing? Do you right. give it up? If you get a rejection or something, you feel like oh, I can't do this or whatever. Like everybody has those days. So mm-hmm. you basically, the good thing happens, the bad thing happens. You sit down, you write, you walk the dog, you do the laundry. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I just had day. a flash of Dory in my head. Just yeah, keep I too. <laughs> just keep paddling. Just keep paddling. Um, Okay, Lisa, uh, Lisa, we've got, Christy's got a final quick question for you before we wrap up. Okay, okay. yes. Um, okay, a little different than our um, one episodes. Um, if you had to choose one of your characters to be your personal chef, who would you choose and oh. why? <laughs> to be my personal chef? Yeah. Well, it's going to have to be Chef Jeff. <laughs> I was going to say you have the easy answer here. He literally is a personal chef. He's, he's extremely creepy. I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but at least he's interesting. Mm-hmm. And right. you know, he did a good job with the sides, you know. <laughs> and the sides are really the best. The most important part of any meal. We all know I agree. that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, okay, Lisa. 
I don't think I'm going to be able to pick anybody else. No, he's the obvious choice. <laughs> no, that, like, that's a to. perfect one. I know, as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, well, of all, you know, <laughs> not very, not everybody has a chef in their actual story. <laughs> I know, it was ridiculous, almost. Okay, um, Lisa, when our listeners want to know more about you or how they can reach you, what's the best way to find you? Well, <laughs> ridiculously available. <laughs> so you can find me at lisaunger.com. If you, you know, everything is kind of there, all the books in order, you know, all that, that kind of stuff. And uh, if you sign up for my newsletter, then you get a free short story. So that's exciting. And then my newsletter, you know, I try to keep it really fun and light. And, you know, there's always going to be a giveaway in every newsletter. And then um, you can find me on Instagram at at LA Unger. Find me on Twitter at at Lisa Unger, which tells you exactly how old I am because I actually have like Lisa Unger like that's it it's not like Lisa Unger right, right. Three, like... 3080 Lisa Unger yeah it's just <laughs> it's Lisa Unger. and then on Facebook it's at author Lisa Unger and awesome. I do interact in in real time like I do interact with my readers there usually so once awesome. your creative time is over once my creative right. time it, is during over. your chunk <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, this has been so fun, and we're really, really appreciative that you came back, and can't wait till the next book. Thank you. And I think all we have is a cheers left. Cheers! Final cheers! Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, GameOfBooksPodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can watch and listen. On GameOfBooksPodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter and enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you that we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers.